Welcome to another podcast from the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. This time round, it's with Nick Briggs, voice of the Daleks, and all sorts of other things. Uh, very recently, Nick was at Waterston's Lakeside in Thurrock, signing copies um, of the new Sherlock Holmes CDs from uh, Big Finish. And we were very lucky to be invited along to talk to him and to record a podcast. Unfortunately, the recording of the podcast didn't come out very well. Uh, there was a lot of sound problems, which means we've had to scrap that from this. However, there's a couple of interviews with the crowd and also a really good interview with Nick. And he's very generously given us a five-minute segment of a forthcoming Holmes piece called The Speckled Band. So um, do please enjoy this. And remember, if you want to know anything about Doctor Who Podcasts, just go to www.doctorwhopodcastalliance.org. Right, it's Professor Dave here at the Nick Briggs sign-in at Waterstones Lakeside Furrock, the bookshop of choice of Doctor Who podcast fans. And I'm here today with one of the fascinating people we met at these events. Your name, please, sir? It's Tony. Tony Houston. Tony Houston. And you've got a Doctor Who album there, which yes, is... Yes, that's right. Quite... I, I start, started collecting in 1963. My uncle was a scene at the BBC and got me the signed autographs of photographs of all the Doctors... Well, I've got all the doctors from William Hartnell right up to Paul McGann. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not had any luck getting the new ones. I don't know why. It's just difficulty getting them. Uh, if you go to a lot of the um, signings, unfortunately they charge you. But mm-hmm. I've got all the um, companions, all but one. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get uh, Jacqueline Hill, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. But I've got all the others. Um, from Deborah Watlin, she sent me two. Right. Because she thought I'd missed, she'd forgotten, so she sent me two. And Katie Manning sent me one, and then she also sent me one of her nude, Cuddling a Dalek. <laughs> she actually which, sent you that? Yes, she did, because she knows my age. Right. And uh, cheekily, she sent me that one, which is signed. I've got them all. I've met most of these people uh, at different signings when they're, or charity events. And I've just spoken to him. For instance, Colin Baker, he was doing a charity event in Watford. Nothing really to do with Doctor Who. I took the photograph down. I had a word with him. and said, could you possibly sign this for me? And he was delightful. He signed it, spoke to me for about five minutes. He was a delightful man. Uh, met Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. He's nuts. I've Absolutely heard from people. Yep. nuts. He made rude noises and everything else <laughs> while he was signing it for me. That was up in London with Sophie. So I've been, in that respect, very, very lucky. 
So I've got, like I say, a massive collection. It's only part of it here. No, it's... Well, looking at the album there, you're lucky I haven't mugged you yet. If I could run, I'd run. um, I was on BBC Essex the other day Mm -hmm. because they were talking about collections and they had an expert on there and I told him what I had and he turned around and said, right, £500 worth of stuff you've got there, £500, £600. I'd never sell it. I'd never sell it. Because... that's my memories when I met them and everything else. Mm. So you've um, you've obviously got William Hartnell's there. Yep. Who was the first doctor you met? Oh well, the first one I met was uh, that was John Pertwee. Um, he was out shopping. Mm-hmm. He was just out and about. Yeah. And I just said to him, "Hello, how are you?" And well done. He was doing Wurzel Gummidge at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he stopped, spoke to me for about a good ten minutes, quarter of an hour. He was delightful. And I said, oh, well, I'd like to have got your autograph. Yeah. He said, right, took my name and address and then sent me an autograph, especially for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not met Peter other than very briefly. I've met Colin Baker. He was delightful. Mm-hmm. I've met Sylvester McCoy. Like I say, he was just off the wall <laughs> completely. <laughs> yeah. But he was delightful, considering he'd been signing for a good two, three hours. Mm-hmm. And he was still able to engaged the, the audience. Sophie Aldridge was lovely. Yeah. She was very nice. I've met Leela. Um, again, very nice lady. I took my my um, album with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was spent a good five minutes looking through them, talking about the different ones. And that was at a signing in a bookshop in Upminster. So, cool. yeah, it's, it, I've been very, very lucky. Yeah, I've you have. It. It's been a fascinating yeah, been very lucky and extraordinarily enviable collection. Well, I've got five scrapbooks which contain also all the BBC uh, special magazine, special covers, mm-hmm. and news reports it's going through, all dated and everything else. Um, I'm just a sad individual when it comes <laughs> Not to Not at all. If you're sad, then I'm standing here with a microphone talking to you, so what does that make me? Um, uh, sadder than me. <laughs> sadder than you, yeah. Uh, so when did you start watching the show? 1963. Yeah? 1963, when it first came on. Uh, watching it behind the settee. No, when the, the Daleks come on, I did. I literally was scared of them. Mm. Uh, but it was just fascinating to, to, to watch it, and I, I loved it. Some of the stories are dubious. They didn't work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But when it worked, it was fantastic. And, and you... it, could, it could go anywhere. It could do anything from comedy, detection. That's what's so special about Doctor Who. Do and have you watched it constantly from, yeah. from then till now? Yeah. 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 Favourite Doctor? Ah, that's got to be William Hartnell. <laughs> oh. William Hartnell, very closely followed by Tom and Sylvester. Mm. Especially the last season, Sylvester, when he really got into his stride, the dark character. Yeah, I think the last series of Sylvester is one yeah. of the best. Yeah, yeah. Okay, many, many thanks, you, Tony. My pleasure, my pleasure. Have a good day. And you. This is Tony. Um, well, I'm sat here with a Nick Briggs. Uh, yes. Which Nick Briggs are you? Um, I'm the signing Nick Briggs. Right. Now, this means you actually use a pen. You don't do stuff that's for right. deaf people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, I could sign for a deaf person, obviously. Uh, no, sign no, no demarcation. Signature. Oh, no, fair but, enough. You know, there is a signing Nick Briggs there as is well. The other signing Nick Briggs, yes. Uh, interesting yes. to see how many of you that Jason's cloned. I, uh, I know. There's a, well, in fact, there's a lorry parked out in the car park here, and the, all my other clones are there all connected into the nutrient tank 
Yeah. I'm getting scared now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, why are you here today? We're at Waterstones, we're at Lakeside, we're yes. in Thurrock. Why? Well, I'm here to sign things and to meet people, but uh, mainly we were, um, were trying to push the uh, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes and the Ripper release today, and there's been a, a, you know, some success. Is this something you've been looking forward to doing, uh, actually, with Big Finish for a long time? Start producing Holmes stuff, or is it just something that's... Well, it kind of just uh, happened. Like many ideas, it, it's an idea that's been around for a long time. We've talked about doing Holmes for ages, and then for reasons that I can't adequately recall to mind now, not, you know, it's just not happened. And then the opportunity seemed to arise when I did Holmes and the Ripper as a stage play a couple of years ago at the Theatre Royal Nottingham and I also saw a couple of um, one-man show Sherlock Holmes things which I thought were superb with Roger Llewellyn playing um, Sherlock Holmes and everybody else which sounds like an outrageous preposterous proposition but he is superb and they are fantastic shows and I thought well hey I could I could get the audio rights to those two shows and also we could do Holmes and the River because I'd asked Brian Clemens who wrote it the Avengers man Brian Clemens and he said yeah yeah you can do it well actually the truth is someone asked him for me because I was too shy uh, and, uh, and then he told me yeah it was fine and I thought well there I've got three Sherlock Holmes releases there and that can get the ball rolling and suddenly it just seemed like um, a very viable proposition it's worked out well and we're going to do some more Sherlock Holmeses with me later in the year well, that's my second question out the window. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ask it anyway. No. <laughs> what other things have you got planned? Well, there are, obviously, we've got uh, a, a writer called George Mann who's written a lot for the Black Books Library and uh, Warhammer, who's uh, a big Holmes fiend, and he has written a storyline that, uh, that we're going to commission him for a script. Uh, I can't tell you the title because I think I'm going to change the title because I think the title gives too much away. <laughs> It's a, he did it um, <laughs> uh, and Alan Barnes I'm forcing Alan Barnes our script Bless editor to write one because Alan is such a, a Holmes expert I don't feel like I'm enough of a Holmes expert to write a show like Holmes otherwise I would be straight there doing it I'm, it's quite nice to just be playing him really and I should probably get in a different director as well because Holmes and the Ripper it was alright for me to direct and star in that because I'd done it before and so I had a real handle on it. Mm-hmm. But if I'd been coming to it for the first time, directing it as well would have been a, a nightmare, I think. And, and as it was, I had the uh, legendary Ken Bentley of Big Finish fame uh, as my assistant director. So he was there giving me a few useful tips. Although as the director, when the assistant director says to you, maybe you should approach this scene like that, you can go, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Holmes and the Ripper. Now, am I right in thinking this is basically what was the Peter Cushing film? No, it's not. I mean, that's based on the, the Murder by Decree. Was that the Peter Something Cushing one? Like that, yeah. yeah. Oh no, actually, I'm Murder. Really are having to rack no. my brains here. No, Murder by Decree actually had uh, uh, Christopher Plummer. That's it. Yes. A yes. show at home. Yes. And and James Mason. Wonderful, yes. So that's that's <laughs> what that is. I don't know. No, I don't think it is based on a Peter Cushing film. Okay, well, no, no, it makes it even more but intriguing. It is honest. the idea of Holmes solving the Ripper murders has been, yeah, it was in Murder by Decree, and there have been several fictional uh, book versions of that story, and um, Brian Clemens took it from the research of. A chap whose name escapes me 
I want to say Stephen, someone. Anyway, Don't he. Look he at me. <laughs> I am no looking at you. You're interviewing me. I'm, You're the man who's supposed to know about this. <laughs> no. Well, anyway, it's so he. Yes, he took it from some research about it and and has inserted uh, Sherlock Holmes into the story. It's just a sort of way in for the audience, really, someone to yeah. investigate it. And the interesting thing is that in this version of the story. Um, there is uh, someone with psychic abilities in it, which is very unlike the whole Holmes thing and the fact that Holmes actually starts to sort of rely upon this person for information, even though he, you know, in his heart he doesn't believe in that sort of nonsense, but he, he kind of because it works, he's willing to use it as a resource to help him solve the crime. If I remember Ripper history, which is muddied anyway, mm. I think one of the suspects at one point was... Either one of the suspects, or they actually went to somebody, Abilene went to somebody to actually... A, a psychic, possibly a victorious psychic. Oh, sure. you see, now this is, this is where this has probably come from. I wish we had Brian Clemens here to talk to him about it because he'd know all about it. Bless him, you should get to interview him one day. He's a fascinating guy. That'd be interesting, actually. He's a right geezer as well. I kind of, because he wrote for old television, you expect him to be terribly sort of bowtie. And he goes, yeah, all right, he's a real sort of, yeah, come here, yeah, I'll well, tell you about it. the stuff he wrote. Yeah, yeah. He's a genius. I love him. Actually, as you're in touch with Brian Clemens, mm. any plans for Big Finish to do any Avengers stuff? Uh, well, Brian Clemens doesn't own the rights to the Avengers. No. Because he didn't officially create them. And also, he's just a nice bloke. I mean, let me tell you how the deal for Holmes and the Ripper was done. After someone on my behalf asked him if we could do it, uh, he, you know, we were just in the bar after the last show. And he, because he, he goes to see all his shows, if he possibly can. Because he's written millions of thrillers. And he goes to theatres all around the country yeah. to see them. Uh, and he, uh, said, he said, yeah, yeah, you can. And I said, well, obviously, we'll do a deal and we'll get a contract to you anyway no no I'll give you my permission now and I said I know but we are. and of course we did do a contract and everything but yeah, yeah. he was absolutely adamant he said and I, I don't want to earn any money out of it unless you earn any money about it you know he wasn't charging some huge upfront. Uh, he was just he's just such a gent and I, you can imagine Amazing. why he doesn't have a stake in the Avengers because that's his attitude I mean, I he's like just him. too nice. I like him already. <laughs> he is. He's honestly, he's a lovely guy. And I also got friendly with one of his sons, uh, Sam, uh, who you know, uh, who's an actor, and he's actually in this as well. Uh, and uh, that wasn't part of the deal. I just think <laughs> Sam's brilliant, and uh, he was in the stage play too. And so, uh, yeah, we've worked. And Sam's also in oh, Blue Forgotten Planet as well. Up now. Talking yes. Doctor Who, because yes. this is Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Indeed. Um, what's coming up for Big Finish? I've already heard the um, first Colin Baker, yes. Fraser Hines. Oh, yes, City of Spies. Ah, I love it, isn't it? Good. Great to have him back. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, you probably read my notes on it where I just sort of say, you know, it's my era of Doctor Who, really. I mean, I have two sort of fundamental uh, tingly eras for me that okay. tingle my fan gene. One is the Troughton era and the other is the Tom Baker era because for the Troughton era, that's when I was first properly watching television as a kid and taking notice. And then the Tom Baker era, that's when I was a teenager. That's when I was like 12, 13, 14. You know, that sort of... Yeah, what was I when it started? But, and I... I Tom Baker left when I just went to drama school so it's that era of my life so these two things I realised this talking to Tom Baker recently about him doing big finishes I've suddenly sort of as it were come out of the closet uh, and confessed that I'm a massive Tom Baker fan I think I was always a bit reserved about it because he seemed never to be doing a big finish and he may yet not do one because you can never tell but, but it's just is it sunny today? so you know uh, but so having Fraser Hines there being Jamie was amazing 
and and then you know when uh, Wendy came along, yes, because the third story of Georgie mm. and Zoe back in, mm. and that was just amazing. I did actually shed a tear. Oh, bless. out of just nostalgia, pure nostalgia, and then confessing to them, I felt that nostalgia just. The act of confessing it to them actually made me flub a bit, which was How so was embarrassing. Right? Because, I mean, obviously you're running a professional production company. Yes. But when you do something like that, it must be really awkward for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get over it, you know. Yeah. I'm an emotional type. I mean, India and I were crying our eyes out during um, Blue Forgotten Planet. Oh, I've got to congratulate you on that. I'm not trying to be grovelly, grovelly. But no, you, you can congratulate me all your life. <laughs> that last trilogy was brilliant. Oh, well, really thank was. you. It, that's very nice of you to say that because, you know, very close to my heart I always had the idea that I would write at least two of those yeah. and luckily Mark Platt came to my rescue for the middle story the one and you're not selling here today yeah but that's not my choice <laughs> that's the guy who bought it in that's, that's Mark that's not me uh, I would have paper cuts here if it was up to me because uh, Alan Barnes our script editor said to me I said look I've, I want to finish off he, he certainly said to me look I've written Charlie out of the eighth doctor when we write her out of the sixth doctor that's you can do it he said it's too much stress for me to write her out again because he loves Charlie too and writing out a character you love is, is almost like killing someone you love yes. not to over you know dramatise it and so I said okay I'll do it I, and then I started formulating plans I said I think I might want to write if not all of the trilogy, most of it. And Alan said, you'll go mad and die and it'll all go terrible. How can you do all that? And I said, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it was quite a struggle, but oh, I just loved doing it, all of it, right from the writing all the I way through. I appreciate it's difficult to sometimes go back on things like this, mm. but considering how long Charlie was with the range, yes. there must be plenty of opportunities, I hate to say this continuity-wise, to bring her back should you want to. Absolutely. Any yeah. ideas? Any thoughts uh, nothing. On I mean, there's certainly, you know, we could maybe do uh, a subscriber special with her and the Eighth Doctor, something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm, and I'm also, and I've, I have announced this, but people seem not to have noticed, I am going to do a spin-off Charlie series with just Charlie and not the Doctor. No, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I've announced it so many times on podcasts, in uh, conventions. I've had rounds of applause at American conventions for saying it, and then no one seems to know about it. I think the act of clapping has uh, <laughs> wiped their brains. I think. So. Have you uh, uh, given an official press release? No, that's true. No official press well, release. Well, I haven't it written a storyline. Post Gallifrey. That's it. I mean, I have uh, taught when when I uh, we did some Christmas podcasts and India came in for at least one of those, and I think it was one. She brought some really chocolatey, truffly things, and she came out with. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way. Uh, uh, only a phrase that only India Fisher could get away with saying. She said, oh dear, I'm getting a bit of a chocolate sweat on. <laughs> she had too much chocolate. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh yes. And I talked to, to her afterwards about the, the nature of the series I wanted to yes. write for her, which I won't quite reveal now, um, because it may change yeah. drastically. But the sort of I said I didn't want her to be a doctor figure. I didn't want her to go around solving crimes. You know, I wanted it to be a very specific four CD box set kind of thing, which is like something specific that happened to her. Um, her Currently, she's with the virus, isn't she? Yes, indeed. So, yeah, it's interesting to see where that so goes. So, what, what would happen next? Mm. Yeah, because that's what they ask her, don't they? And she she doesn't know, which leaves everything well, the open. Whole thing for open for I want to I want her to do. I want to tackle an issue which is close to my heart, which has been dealt with in other uh, arenas rather humorously and 
in a bad taste way. I'm thinking on the <laughs> Charlie Brooker's screen wipe. They had an American comedian talking about um, the biggest problem in the world is overpopulation, and it's the one that no one's talking about. We all talk about how there's the greenhouse effect and uh, you know, mm-hmm. and all on the yeah. climate change and all this kind of stuff. But none of these things would be an issue if there weren't so many bleeding human beings on the planet. I think people know me well enough to know that I think the worst thing about this planet is human beings. Yeah. Um, so we are, it's, we're totally overpopulated. I mean, uh, you know, I feel guilty because, you know, in the last 10 months uh, I had a child. But oh, I, you it, can't feel guilty about that. He's wonderful. He is wonderful, but he will be the only one. Yeah, I mean, that's mainly because I'm too old. Is he Highlander in disguise? Yeah. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> There's only one Ben, yes. Um, but, uh, so I want to do a story that touches on that issue, the whole thing about overpopulation. Yeah, because, you know, if the human, if the human population wasn't so enormous... No, I'm not being personal. Uh, in number, uh, then... You know, we, we wouldn't have any of these problems. It's, it's terrible, really. And uh, so I want to do a story that tackles that in a sci-fi kind of way. So It's always the best parables, yeah. quite yeah. frankly. So apart from that, OK, so we've got Jamie, we've got Zoe. Evelyn's returning. Yes, of course. How could we have done without Evelyn? We see, we were doing Charlie, so we couldn't get Evelyn in as well. But. Uh, looking forward to that. We've got the Sylvester McCoy lost stories. Yes. Are we going to see a bit more of the Cartel master plan coming through? Uh, well, in the, Sylvester, yeah, in the Sylvester McCoy lost stories, mm. yes. Oh dear, yes, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> there will be, yes, there will be Cartmel. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm a huge fan of that era. So. Well, it, the brilliant thing about it was that, you know, Andrew is such a very uh, smart, uh, intelligent person who's driven and has a particular purpose and that's what I loved about those Sylvester McCoy stories is that you could tell there was a plan and I love I love that feeling and and it's really nice that these lost stories will um, you know give that a chance to be uh, I don't know appreciated by a more general Doctor Who audience now with Peter of course yes you've got managed to get Mark Strix and Jan Fielding and Sarah Sutton all in the studio at the same time how brilliant was that yeah fantastic with what sorry with Peter with Peter yeah obviously it, it would you know it would help um, yeah, yeah 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 and so they were all there together by any more yeah. plans for that yes oh there we go that's the yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean we we absolutely want to do some more with them because it worked so well and I can't remember whether I've said this publicly but uh you know, I said to Janet at the recording, I said, you know, just thanks for coming and doing this. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, I said, what changed your mind? Because mm. she's always mm. been quite reluctant. She said, I just realised I was being selfish. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, it kind of messes it up for you, doesn't it, if I don't do it? So she thought, I'll just come and join in. And I said, well, bless you, <laughs> bless you. I think she just got to the point where she just thought, well, what's the problem? I'll just go and do it. I mean, I think she had a blooming good time as well. Yeah. So, I've got to go, I'll come to the big question. Yes. Will I marry you? No. <laughs> You're not into bigamy? No. Oh, nothing. Yes. Um, no, well, actually, Steph and I aren't married, but we are going to get married. Oh, bless. Sorry, I've Tom. just got this bizarre mental image now of you stepping out of the church with sink plungers raised in a... No, no. There will be no church involved. <laughs> yes. Okay. Tom, I've got Tom. to ask, what's yes. happening? What's happening? I've what's, got to ask. What's happening is this. Um, how did it go? I mean, I spoke to Tom Baker by email uh, quite a long time ago, um, and he was up for it. And then the next thing that happened was that Hornet's Nest came out, and I thought, oh, yes. right, uh, it's gone the other way. Fair enough. And then, uh, but he was in touch again because, oh, I got in touch with him again 
because uh, another podcast person, Seb, who does Doctor Who online, yep, yep, he's, uh, he, yeah, he, he'd done an interview with Tom yep. in which he really, bless his cotton socks, really pushed Big Finish in Tom's mm-hmm. direction. And it seemed in the interview, well, Seb contacted me and said, Tom Baker's just said he'd like to do a big finish. And I went, oh, yeah, really, <laughs> in my email. And he emailed back, he said, I'll send you the relevant section, obviously sensing my slight suspicion about this. And, I, and, and so he sent it to me and I listened to it. And he was basically saying to Tom, big finish, big finish, big finish, big finish. And Tom was going, well, um, uh, uh, yeah, really? And kind of, well, perhaps they'll hear this and get in touch with me. This was the day of the interview I was mm. sending. So I emailed Tom Baker and I said, you just did an interview this morning with Sebastian. And he said that you said this. And I've heard that bit. So come on then, let's talk about it. And he said, oh, thanks for getting back in touch. Uh, yes, I'm interested. And... And uh, he, he seems to have suddenly decided he is going to do it. Now, it's really just a question of uh, whether I screw up or not, you know? Whether I say or do something that Tom finds unacceptable in the, in the intervening months. The stage we are at now, is he's, he's given me a lot of his ideas, and I've said, well, look, I'm going to put together some storylines based on what you've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the X number of stories... La, 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 and he said yes and he's, he's very focused on the promotional aspect of it as well he's, he's very keen sort of to, to hmm? he's very big on that sort yeah of well I think uh, he's very keen to do signings to promote it and that kind of thing and he, he said that maybe he could write a little uh, sort of like a blog about doing the production oh, how wonderful yeah and he says oh you could do lots of behind the scenes recording and discussions and he said yes he's up for all that and I said well, what about doing a podcast for us and he said yes yes I'll do whatever you like to promote it so that's great so I'm, I'm writing storylines at the moment and he's probably thinking what's going on he hasn't been in touch with me but of course it takes These a while, take a while. I exactly. had to write the, the big finale to the, the McGann season the last oh, McGann Lucy, season. How could you get rid of Lucy Miller? Oh, I know, but it's the same as the India Fisher thing, you know. Uh, in terms of the personality of the person, uh, the actor, actress, uh, and and the character, and working with them. Frankly, until my dying day, I would like to work with India Fisher and Sheridan Smith. They are both, uh, you know, they broke the mould afterwards. And they are both fantastic and exhilarating to work with and just such fun to be around. Um, but you can't keep telling the same stories and you no. can't... No. You just, it's, you've got to refresh what you're doing. And, I, and, you know, when I told Sheridan about it, because Sheridan said she wanted to carry on doing the job until she was in her Zimmer frame, um, <laughs> I just... It was awful. She was sitting on the stairs and I was looking down at her and she's a tiny, tiny girl anyway. And it just... I felt like I was, you know... Kicking, I'm just going to stab you through kicking, the heart. Yeah, now. kicking an orphan. You know what I mean. <laughs> I felt like some, and and she said, "No, I understand." And um, you know, but never say never again. You know, it's possible that she could come back. Uh, yeah, sorry for getting rid of Lucy. I, I'll regret it. Always. Yeah, but these things are never permanent necessarily. Absolutely, that's the brilliant thing about Doctor Who. But yeah. <laughs> What's your one? Two questions. Yes. What's the one thing you're most proud of? And what's the one thing you wish you could really do? Righto. Oh, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm so proud of so many things. I've committed that <laughs> sin so many times. Well, do, you want to, do you want to narrow it down to what would you most like to do? Oh, I, you know, I, 
Well, well to start with, morning, I'm, I'm you're lying there. It's oh, I know what I'd head. most like to do. Actually, I'd like to create my own science fiction franchise. So uh, no, no, no be, big thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I'd like to do, and I've got plans for doing that for Big Finish. There's some ideas that yeah. you know uh, I've spoken to Jason about, but it would be so difficult to create an audience for it. But certainly, that's true. That's in my life at the moment, and that would involve you know writing it, directing it, doing music, sound design, being in it. I would like to do all that. I was, did say that was going to be the last quiz, but I, I've got to ask you one other thing because some yeah, of our yeah. listeners are really um, up for this. Nebulous. Oh, yes. Nebulous. People want to know when the rest of the CDs are coming out, are, is there going to be another series? I've they know, I know. I would love there to be another series, but, you know, there was a, a year's gap between series two and three, mm. wasn't there? Because yeah. Radio 4 were, you know, a, a bit iffy about whether they'd do another one. And then... Yeah, we didn't we didn't get renewed after series three. I mean, not BBC Seven's right there, are we? Surely. I know, but the BBC Seven don't have many commissioning powers, and it's a relatively expensive show to do. But yeah, it, that would be worth. Um, yeah, but I mean, they should have. They haven't played it already. They haven't transmitted it, have they? Radio Seven. Yes, yeah. They have done Nebulous. They, they, they have transmitted Nebulous in the past. Yeah. Oh, I should talk to Mary about whether they would like to do some more. Um, <laughs> Just a little light yeah. up in your eye. Yeah, I've already got a note to talk to Henry Normal at Baby Cow about uh, yeah. releasing yeah. series two and three through Big Finish. And re- recently, Michael yeah. Stevens of uh, BBC Audiobooks, who you know I have very close contacts with, uh, he was asked by someone, "When are you going to do release the next two series of Nebulous?" And he apparently said, "Well, you should ask Nick Briggs about that. I mean, surely he'll do that with Big Finish." So they're, they're Audiobooks are clearly not going to do any more of the, neb- the nebulae. <laughs> Neblas. It was nebula. Neblas. It was a lot of roller chair. It was just, wasn't it great? Oh, the wordplay in that. Yeah. Graham I mean, Duff is such a smart yeah. writer. Uh, it was, Same guy as Ideal, I think. That's right. He's just such a brilliant writer and a really funny guy. In fact, and I also think, I mean, I love all the characters in Nebulous. There's some, I mean, um, you know, Rosie playing Paula. You know, I just, oh, professor! You know, all that brilliant. But actually, my favourite character is Rory, played by Graham, because yes, it's you know, it's a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, I just love all that thing where they uh, save the money for booze, and you know, all that kind of thing. And when they say, "Are you thinking of joining Luga Baruga?" He goes, no, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I just love all that nonsense. Well, I've just actually confused. I think it's Kev Fountain, uh, one of the guys. Nev Fountain. No, no Kev. 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 Is Fountain. it Kev Fountain? Kev Jameson. Ah, oh, no, I've got his name wrong. Um, one of the guys behind the falsetto sock puppet theatre. Oh, I don't know their names. Yeah, they're brilliant. Like, We're yeah. off to Loughborough. Have you told Kent? Like, <laughs> oh, what? Really? What are you talking about? <laughs> really? They put. Oh, that's nice. Anyway, um, Nick. Thank you so much. It's been a much. pleasure. Bob to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, we've got a couple of uh, old familiar faces here, if you don't mind me calling you like that. Yeah. What names again, please? Uh, Ronald and, and Stuart. And Stuart, and it's the father and son set That's up. Right. That's right. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down at Tom Baker. Sorry? Tom Baker's son down. Pardon? Tom Baker, he lives in Tunbridge. Tunbridge Wells, I think, isn't it? Oh, you're not in Tunbridge Wells? You? No, we're in Tunbridge. Yeah. A lot of people get confused between oh, Tunbridge right. and Tunbridge yeah. Wells. I've gone off you now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did bump into him on the platform of the Tunbridge station some years ago, didn't I? Yeah. And he was very nice. Yeah. Tom Baker. Just 
yeah, sort of general chit chat with him. That's right. It? Yes, yeah. that's right. I made a terrible mistake though, didn't I? You didn't call him Colin. No, no, no. <laughs> I got mixed up between James Bond and Doctor Who. I don't know how I could do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both British institutions. Yeah. Anyway, you just met Nick Briggs, the voice of the Daleks. That's right. Yeah. How was he? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. He, yes. he uh, showed us his voice modulator and mm-hmm. explained the settings for one of the new, uh, the, the new Supreme Dalek. Mm-hmm. How he'd increased the one of the dials for it because it's because it's similar to the the Emperor Dalek, but it's got m- m- more of a certain frequency on it. And yeah, had a general chat about about about, uh, about Sherlock Holmes as well. Mm. Which he's, uh, he's appeared on stage and on audio in, the, in the, that same story as the title character. Well, he is certainly a gentleman who's getting known for more than the, the Daleks and the Cybermen. Yeah, now. yeah, of course he was in talks with recently. He as was well. very, very good in talks Yeah. With, very good indeed. Mm. Yeah, he, he played the um, deputy prime minister oh, on the cabinet. Mm. He's, an, he's an actor as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's a very good actor. I didn't realise. Yeah, that. it was great. It was a really wonderful scene, wasn't it? Where they were planning to um, basically oh. sacrifice the thickest oh, yes. children in the country to save their own children. Oh. Yeah, it was quite a creepy scene. And yeah. he, he was about, like he was instigating it a bit, you know. Oh. Using the league tables. Yes. Oh. Mm. Yeah, it's brilliant. His wife's involved as well, I understand. Quite possibly. Yep. Quite possibly. You don't know about that. I well, I was just trying to think of the baby's involved as well. Ben. <laughs> yeah. Ten months. <laughs> Looks like him. <laughs> so, so newborns like Winston Churchill, and after about eight, nine months, they start looking like Nick Briggs. Is that what you're trying to say? Okay. Wasn't um, what's his name? McNeese. In McNeese. In McNeese. Wasn't he good as Winston Churchill? He was a little bit on the chubby side. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, he made the real Winston Churchill look really slim in comparison, didn't they? Mm, when you yes, saw footage of him afterwards, right, yeah. it's quite yeah. quite taken back when I saw the old footage of yes. the action Churchill. How <laughs> you can go from Doc Martin <laughs> to uh, Winston Churchill? All the joys of being an actor. <laughs> right. Anyway, I won't keep you any longer, okay. gents. But Thank many, much. many thanks indeed for your company. You're welcome. Okay. I hope we've had a humorous conversation. Well, it's always interesting talking to you guys, and yes. I'm sure we'll see you back here for Matthew Waterhouse will be here soon. Oh, really? Yeah. All oh, right. Oh. Yeah, oh. I think it's about June, June, July time he's going to be here. Oh, right. Yes. Ah. He's got his book out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, read about that. Mm. Yes. Oh, he's going to sign in here as well. Ah. Okay, gents. <laughs> we'll see you then. Many <laughs> thanks to you. Bye bye now. This is a very deep business, he said at last. There are a thousand details which I should desire to know before I decide upon the course of action. Yet we have not a moment to lose. If we were to come to Stoke Moran today, would it be possible for us to see over these rooms without the knowledge of your stepfather? As it happens, he spoke of coming into town today upon some most important business. It is probable that he will be away all day and that there would be nothing to disturb you. We have a housekeeper now, but she is old and foolish, and I could easily get her out of the way. Excellent. You were not averse to this trip, Watson? By no means. Then we shall both come. What are you going to do yourself? I have one or two things which I would wish to do now that I am in town, but I shall return by the twelve o'clock train so as to be there in time for your coming. And you may expect us early in the afternoon. I have myself some small business matters to attend to. Will you not wait and breakfast? No, I must go. 
My heart is lightened already since I have confided my trouble to you. I shall look forward to seeing you again this afternoon. She dropped her thick black veil over her face and glided from the room. And what do you think of it all, Watson? asked Sherlock Holmes, leaning back in his chair. It seems to me to be a most dark and sinister business. Dark enough and sinister enough. Yet, if the lady is correct in saying that the flooring and walls are sound, and that the door, window and chimney are impassable, then her sister must have been undoubtedly alone when she met her mysterious end. What becomes, then, of these nocturnal whistles? And what of the very peculiar words of the dying woman? I cannot think. When you combine the ideas of whistles at night, the presence of a band of gypsies who are on intimate terms with this old doctor, the fact that we have every reason to believe that the doctor has an interest in preventing his stepdaughter's marriage, the dying illusion to a band, and finally the fact that Miss Helen Stoner heard a metallic clang which might have been caused by one of those metal bars that secured the shutters falling back into their place, I think there is good ground to think that the mystery may be cleared along those lines. But what, then, did the gypsies do? I cannot imagine. I see many objections to any such theory. And so do I. It is precisely for that reason that we are going to Stoke Moran this day. I want to see whether the objections are fatal or if they may be explained away. But what in the name of the devil? The ejaculation had been drawn from my companion by the fact that our door had been suddenly dashed open and that a huge man had framed himself in the aperture. His costume was a peculiar mixture of the professional and of the agricultural, having a black top hat, a long frock coat, and a pair of high gaiters with a hunting crop swinging in his hand. So tall was he that his hat actually brushed the crossbar of the doorway, and his breadth seemed to span it across from side to side. A large face, seared with a thousand wrinkles, burned yellow with the sun, and marked with every evil passion, was turned from one to the other of us, while his deep-set, bile-shot eyes and his high, thin, fleshless nose gave him somewhat the resemblance to a fierce old bird of prey. "'Which of you is Holmes?' asked this apparition. "'My name, sir, but you have the advantage of me,' said my companion quietly. "'I am Dr. Grimesby Roylet of Stoke Moran!' "'Indeed, doctor,' said Holmes blandly. "'Pray take a seat.' "'I will do nothing of the kind! "'My stepdaughter has been here. "'I have traced her. "'What has she been saying to you?' "'It is a little cold for the time of year,' said Holmes. "'What has she been saying to you?' screamed the old man furiously. "'But I have heard that the crocuses promise well,' continued my companion imperturbably. "'Ah! You put me off, do you?' said our new visitor, taking a step forward and shaking his hunting crop. "'I know you, you scoundrel! I have heard of you before. You are Holmes the meddler!' my friend smiled. "'Holmes the busybody!' His smile broadened. Holmes, the Scotland Yard jacket office! Holmes chuckled heartily. <laughs> Your conversation is most entertaining, said he. When you go out, close the door, for there is a decided draught. I will go when I have said my say! Don't you dare to meddle with my affairs! I know that Miss Stoner has been here! I traced her! I am a dangerous man to fall foul of! See here! He stepped swiftly forward, seized the poker, and bent it into a curve with his huge brown hands. 
See that you keep yourself out of my grip, he snarled, and hurling the twisted poker into the fireplace, he strode out of the room. <laughs> he seems a very amiable person, said Holmes, laughing. I'm not quite so bulky, but if he had remained, I might have shown him that my grip was not much more feeble than his own. As he spoke, he picked up the steel poker and, with a sudden effort, straightened it out again. Fancy his having the insolence to confound me with the official detective force. This incident gives zest to our investigation, however, and I only trust that our little friend will not suffer from her imprudence in allowing this brute to trace her. And now, Watson, we shall order breakfast, and afterwards I shall walk down to Doctor's Commons, where I hope to get some data which may help us in this matter. Right, um, well, I'm here now with Mark. Now, Mark, as we already know, is the manager of this bit of Waterstones. <laughs> He's looking so panic-stricken. Mark, how's it gone today? It's gone very well. It's um, been a great pleasure to have you guys back, and it's, of course, been a great pleasure to have Nick Briggs in the store, signing his CDs, including his new Sherlock Holmes and the Ripper. Now, of course, it's slightly difficult for people to get signed copies of the CDs because they're wrapped in plastic, plastic a bit like Laura yes. Palmer. Um, but... Uh, Books, however. Yes, what books have you got that people can actually order, which are, are signed? signed? Well, we've got both volumes of Annika Wills of the Biography. We have plenty of those signed. And we have Shooty Dog Things signed by Paul Castle and Robert Shearman signed copies of Love Songs for the Shy and Cynical in hardback. Um, so we're more than happy to take orders over the phone at the store and we'll post out to any address in the UK, even, even beyond, if you're willing to pay the postage. Um, the postage within the UK for any size parcel is £4.95 on top of the cost of the book. That's if you buy one title or if you buy ten titles. So people can basically order 50 copies um, well, for just £4.95 postage, then put them on eBay as signed copies. Well, I wouldn't advocate <laughs> that, but um, potentially. I don't mean I've got 50 either, but um, yes, it, it, the gist of it is they could, if, but they can do what they like with them once they've bought them. <laughs> so what have we got coming up then? Because this isn't the last event. Up? This isn't the last event. No, we're on a bit of a roll. Um, on Sunday the 4th of July, Matthew Waterhouse will be in the store at 12 till 2, and he will be signing his two fiction books and the um, volume of his autobiography which he's written um, which I believe is called Time Regained or something like that anyway Matthew Waterhouse in store on the 4th of July signing three different books so do please come along for that um, there may be another event um, coming up but I'm still talking about that so I can't say who or when yet um, but I would urge all listeners to um, join up to our Facebook page and just look for Waterstones Lakeside uh, we come up and become a fan and then you'll get all the news as and when it happens and we are also on Twitter, again good for news, um, if you look for Waterstones432 on Twitter and follow us, um, then I'd be very much obliged because we like followers and we can give you all the news as and when it happens. And of course if you come to Waterstones you get to meet Emily. You do get to meet Emily who's been a bit shy today and she's hiding around at the back there. Um, but I must wish Emily um, the big congratulations as, she, as some of you may know she's a nurse. And she's been offered two nursing positions in the last week, so it's all worked out very well. Oh, that's wonderful news. For Emily, yes. Does that mean we're going to lose her from here? It does sadly mean she's um, going to be leaving, yes, and she's going to go off and look after sick people in hospitals for a permanent living. Curse these sick people. Yes. Their gain is our loss. Listen, Mark, thank you very much. Don't worry, the DWPA will keep people informed as well. Mm. Can I say one more thing, just very briefly? Um, You may see on our website that um, the actor Kenny Baker is in store next week. Can I just say to anyone that's thinking of coming, he isn't. This was cancelled some time ago, and I do apologise for the error 
on our website's part, not ours. Um, let's put it back up. He's not here next week. Thank you very much, Mark. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. Right, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed that. The next event that we think we're going to be covering is the forthcoming Debbie Watling event. However, we haven't been given the dates for that yet. However, on July the 4th, Matthew Waterhouse, who played Adric, will be at the store. That's Waterstones, Lakeside and Thurrock, between 12 and 2. That's on July the 4th. I'll say that again. Um, signing not just his own memoirs, but also two fiction books that he's written. So please come along, come up and say hello to us, and obviously go and see Matthew. Uh, and you never know, you might be part of the next one. Um, toodles. <laughs> <laughs>